Welcome to One Size Does Not Fit All with One Life Tribe. We're sponsored by Renourish. Renourish are delicious grab-and-go fresh soups in a pioneering, heatable, fully recyclable bottle. Renourish soups are plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free and packed with vitamins. Find them in all Waitrose stores. Welcome to the Well Life Drive podcast, One Size Does Not Fit All, with me, Liberty, and hi, Kat, you're here too. Hello, Liberty. How are you feeling? I'm okay. I've had the coronavirus. Yeah. You and your whole family. That's the re- I mean, I didn't tell everybody because some people are a bit weird about it, but I don't think you Not should. Not me. <laughs> you know, I like to tell everyone everything. <laughs> so basically, I haven't seen you for weeks. We started working together and then obviously I didn't see you for a bit. And then you got um, COVID. Yeah, so it, it came in, uh, God knows how we got it, but it, there were cases at my, my son's school. Um, he was the first to go down and then me the next morning. Um, and then we ended up, all four of us, isolating, obviously, and we were all tested. And so all four of us had it, which was, um, it was a huge shock because... Uh, you just feel like you're being really careful. But I guess when, I mean, he's 12, so he's 13 this year. So he's not of that little kid age where they're pretty, you know, resilient and safe and, and, and mostly asymptomatic. I mean, he, and he's pretty manly for a 12 year old. He's covered in hair and <laughs> he's absolutely gigantic. And he um, came down with it really badly. I was actually really shocked when he came into me in the morning and said, mommy, I feel really, really bad. He was like 40 degree temperature. Um, as he walked towards me, it was like a fire walking towards me. It's absolutely boiling hot, just um, so poorly. Um, but he always tends to be the worst affected by any illness. His friends used to make fun of him because he had so many days off school when he was younger. But he'll get something really badly. He'll be really, really poorly. And then he's dealt with it. And he's, and he's back to fitness really quickly, which is kind of what he did with this. Whereas James and I are still like a couple of 90-year-olds sort of struggling around the house. I mean, it really knocked us for six, but I'm guessing it came from wealth. Um, and although I didn't really want to get it, I do feel a bit more relaxed now. I've had it and I've managed to not give it to my dad, who is very vulnerable. And um, fingers crossed, it, it, I don't know. Do we know enough about it to know if it's coming again? My husband said, some, like I said to you earlier, and he was like, this is great. We don't have to worry so much about washing our hands now. I was like, you're freaking disgusting for a start. Um, you do have to wash your hands. Same you, Phil. Um, <laughs> but he, he probably, he is a bit of a, he is a bit fastidious about stuff. So I think he meant like, he was probably washing his yeah. hands like 200 times a day. Um, but um, yeah, it really, it, I like to work, you know, I like to go to the gym a lot and, um, I can barely walk the dogs at the moment. I was walking in Newlands Corner, which is quite hilly this morning, and uh, I just had to keep stopping. So it just takes your fitness. Um, I mean, if you're generally quite a fit person, I've been surprised how affected I have been by it. But I just think you just have to take it easy, I guess, in the recovery. It's affected me more than I thought it would. Um, But um, I just... I can see how it makes some people really, really, really poorly. And that's so awful. Um, but yeah, we've, uh, we've had the cross on the front door and we're done. Yeah. Well, yeah. And now you're locked back in again. <laughs> yeah. So I just got out. Now I'm back in. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I think, you know, they have been talking about it for a while. Um, they have always said that there was a second wave coming, um, you know, and then the announcement. I mean, I feel like every time Boris comes on the TV, we're, we're in some sort of war situation. <laughs> like, it's like, that's very weird again. That we're all Everyone gathering around the wireless. He was watching the rugby on Saturday. So that kept, the time kept changing, didn't it? Um, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, but, but you know... I think, you know, all, all being all, we have to sort of figure out how we're going to better look after ourselves in this season, don't we? And just, you know, I don't know. There's not much we can do. I think we have to look at ways we can support people's businesses. Um, yeah. One another, really. I feel really bad for a lot of small businesses who are shops, who are restaurants, cafes. Um, and I hope a lot of people will support them in doing takeaways where they can. Um, I also want to put it out there that we've got communities um, in our local Surrey area where we can support people and people can come on and just yeah. you know, advertise on there as well. So if you look us up, you'll be able to find them. Um, we want to try and help people as much as we can. It's a tough time. It's a really tough time. I think, you know, nobody wants to go back to looking at sort of class or anything, but you've got to because, you know, like, there are there's going to be a certain sort of demographic of people who are going to be hit harder than a lot of other people and we've got to try and help people um what i'm trying to do at the moment is help sort of family community charities to make sure that yeah. you know kids don't go starving that families aren't going to suffer because people who work in manual labor jobs they're the ones or work in shops or whatever that that's gonna it's gonna impact them so we've got to try as you know um to, to try and help them as much as we can really yeah um, it's a huge, a huge time of year for uh everyone's stocking up everybody was getting ready for the big christmas season and now so much stuff will become just obsolete um it, it's it's really sad it is really sad it's re it's really scary um so yeah you're right you're right it's really important um you also have to think of all those mums who are um locked back in side <laughs> yeah not back inside allowed to go for a walk with one person um, yeah when in fact they just really want to walk on their own <laughs> with, with wine <laughs> oh god i know and it was just my husband actually was about to go back to work or tried to go back to the office and that isn't happening now um <laughs> not oh. I, you know i've got used to it but uh, i'm still like oh, um it's you know it's it is what it is isn't it for everybody's the same we're all the same i think we've all got to look out for our friends who live on their own actually as as well yeah. the other thing. Um, yeah and you know it's just part of this process what are you gonna say it's all the same march will be here next and that'll be a year <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like it is what it is so i think you know like talking about like uh i'm gonna go for a bit of office talk here um always talking about the lovely Dina. Uh, Dina's hot topic of every single session that I see her is menopause. <laughs> yeah, hot um, being a yeah. pardon the pun. Um, always doing lots of research into menopause. Um, it is always an office conversation um, that we have. Um, <laughs> well, we, uh, one, of us, one of us tries to open the door, one of us tries to close the door, uh, one yeah. of us tries to open the window. You're always hot. <laughs> I'm I know, you cold. walk in and you're like, bloody hell, the kitchen's freezing. And I'm like, what's <laughs> boiling in here? Um, but I think actually uh, we work together with all of us ladies, don't we? Um, we, did, we do have one guy, but 
you know, but most of us it's women. And... We drove him mad. <laughs> yes. Um, but he, um, but, but the, co- the conversation is always menopause, actually, because um, some people are experiencing, you know, perimenopause comes up. We talk a lot about um, it all the time. And actually, I think it's something that just needs to be out there a lot more than it is. We are, I mean, I think for us, we feel like it's really familiar, but when we go out and talk to other people, it's not as familiar as in, in other circles as it should be. Yeah, that's something I find quite a lot, actually, having um, worked with the Well Life Tribe, is that it's easy to assume that everybody's working from the same uh with the same level of knowledge and in actual fact they're not um it's it's also a subject where everybody has their own different approaches um so some people choose to deal with it in completely different ways than other people and with a bit of luck everybody will get to that stage in life and um it's 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 different for everyone um so today we have got a special guest we are joined by lauren sheeran hi lauren hi liberty how are you doing I'm good, thank you. Lauren, you're an executive health coach and a menopause specialist. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That is absolutely right, yeah. So um, our Dina will be listening with a very keen ear um, <laughs> by an open door or window somewhere. And um, we um, obviously have got, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 44 and um, uh, all, kinds of, all kinds of weird things go on with me that didn't used to, but I mean, I've... I, I'm quite unusual in so many ways. But then when you speak to somebody else, someone else has got something completely different going on. One of my really good friends um, is a year older than me. She's just started taking HRT. And you kind of think, what, 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 how do I know what would suit me? You know, how do people, everyone has different, different kind of ways of dealing with this kind of stuff, don't they? How do they know what's the best thing to do for themselves? I think the challenge is that people don't that we don't know what menopause is. We don't probably even know what the word perimenopause means or premenopause or postmenopause. And we don't have a clue because we don't talk about it. We're not educated about it. And we don't know where to go and get the right help and support. So you end up with a whole population of women, 13 and a half million in the UK and, and three, four times that in the US, where women are literally tearing their hair out because they don't know where to turn for help and support, let alone figure out what's right for them. So, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done in this space. Mm-hmm. I keep hearing um, the words um, perimenopause, and um, I did a little bit of research into this um, a few months back when uh, we were doing a workshop. And um, what I didn't realise is that, is it, am I right in saying perimenopause is a kind of new phase due to environmental factors that maybe our grannies didn't necessarily go through, or is it something that has always existed, but we've given it a name? I think that you're going to find people that are going to come down on either side of the argument. However, if you actually look at the biology, it's a phase that has always existed. But if you go back to the 1700s or even 150 years ago, women went through menopause at 57 and died at 59. So there was never an awful lot of discussion. There wasn't a lot of challenge around it. It was just a natural life phase and they didn't live long after it. Whereas now we go through peri menopause menopause somewhere between maybe 40 and 55 and then we live for another 40 or 55 years right 
Yeah. So we, what, the lives that we're leading are really different. And I think the phases are much more elongated now. So Perry is just when your monthly cycle starts to change, your estrogen levels are declining and your periods become longer or shorter, further apart, closer together. And you may or may not start to experience some symptoms. So right. I think it's, I personally believe that something's always been there. Right, right. Yeah, they because that that's interesting that you say that actually because I I read somewhere that it said that um, you know like people died younger because once they'd had children like women's body that that was done wasn't it you were you done what you were meant to do <laughs> kill her and all your eggs dried up and you're done you're <laughs> your numbers like, what? but um, I find it really interesting with um, all of, all of what's going on and I what I uh, when I first saw you um and I spotted you in a similar group that we're in a PR group that we're in um and I thought it was really interesting because I love the way that you really speak out about menopause and like I was saying in our kind of wellness community that we are we just talk about it like it's normal but actually when you're out talking yeah. about it to other women they kind of are drawn to coming to you and going oh god no this is a complete nightmare and everybody feels it um, and my experience, my first experience with menopause or knowing about menopause was my, when, when my mum obviously went through it. And I just, when I look back on that now, I think, God, she didn't actually have any single support. I don't, you know, I think maybe she told her best friends, but my experience of it was her having really bad mood swings, you know, like us for me being a teenager and my mum having menopause must have been a complete nightmare for my mum, <laughs> quite frankly, because I probably wasn't <laughs> the most understanding person ever at that point because I was going through my own hormonal changes. Um, but it was all that then, I remember then like my, like the males in our family really being critical, you know, like just like, oh, here it is again. Oh, she's going for the change or, you know, like, and, it, and I think it's that sort of stigma, isn't it? And then it's like, find one, uh, you know, the fix it of it is get, getting a HRT or something like that. And it's like, no, that can't be the only way to deal with this. So, you know, the, I think there's so many points that you've just raised, right? So first of all, we're the first generation that's A, going to live potentially to our hundreds. And not just like a few of us, lots of us are going to live into our 90s and beyond that. We're going to have families and careers or businesses we're going to be looking after children as well as elderly relatives. We're going to be doing all of that at the same time as going through peri and post-menopause. Whereas our parents' generation didn't go through all of that. So our stress levels, our adrenals, our you know, potential thyroid are all being impacted in ways that we've never been impacted before. And because we typically, like pre-Second World War, we were sat at home, weren't we, when we're going through menopause. And then Second World War comes along, we all head off into the workplace. And that's when we started to really stake our claim and you know this generation is staking their claim in a way that no one's done before mm -hmm. but we haven't rescinded any of the other responsibilities that we have yeah and because we're all living longer we've got all these multiple stresses and things that are going on so menopause is something that we never talked about because it was done behind closed doors yeah now we're doing it in public <laughs> and we're doing yeah. it in the workplace and we're doing it when we're out for a Prosecco or a coffee or, or whatever it is that we're doing or in the gym or whatever. And it's different. It's really different. So we have to talk about it. And it is the last remaining taboo because men don't understand it. Women don't understand it. And it affects everybody. So 100% of women that live that long are going to go through it. But actually everybody, like you've just said, Kat, everybody is going to be impacted by it. So we need to start educating ourselves and everyone around us. And for many women, HRT will absolutely be a great solution. 
So that doesn't preclude us looking after ourselves. But again, we don't have the same outdoors life, the same quality of nutrition, the same kind of community around us that our parents' generations had either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're deficient in so many ways. And, you know, a lot of the work I do is about encouraging women just to get back to themselves, really tuck into nourishing themselves well, hydrating themselves well, building up a network. Because how many women do you know and in your community that are the strong, independent woman who is there for everyone else? Yeah. And yet they're really lacking in having that support for them. Yeah. I think something that really strikes me um, is um, uh, something that I've always heard is people saying that, you know, women reach a certain age and they feel that they become invisible. So, you know, you're young and you're beautiful and you have amazing skin. Then you're a mother and you're validated by your children or you don't have children and, you know, all this shock and shame and why hasn't she got children? So one or the other in that camp there, then you're you're menopausal and then suddenly no one's interested in me anymore and I I become invisible. But one thing that I... um, I have now discovered is that you can you can um, become prone to um, mental health issues or depression or sort of depleting yourself of your own self-confidence when you reach that perimenopausal stage if you're not taking care of yourself then you can become very underconfident and almost let it eat you up so there is a time and a phase in that where you've really got to be self-serving and really be very self-aware and look after yourself in terms of mental, physical. Is that right? Is that something that you should be paying close attention to? And if so, how do you know, I know most people should actually be doing this and looking after themselves in this way all the time, but I think it's very easy. Like you say, you sort of put yourself at the bottom of that priority list. Um, How do you recognize, see, I, I know we did a podcast with someone I'm blabbering on and I do this a lot Lauren so excuse me I'll come back around we did a podcast with someone um who said she was um I'm always she said I'm always doing pregnancy tests but I'm like 48 and I'm probably just going through the menopause but I get so confused and I think I haven't had my period I must be pregnant she said and I know I'm not going to be pregnant but you live in hope and um and it really made me laugh and 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 um she was laughing too it wasn't a sad tragic sort of conversation but there is this phase where you kind of don't know yourself. So you sort of, do think, am I still of childbearing age or am I about to go through a change here? Or you've got to be really kind to yourself, haven't you? To keep supporting yourself and holding yourself up so that you don't end up thinking, I'm ugly, I'm invisible, I'm, I'm worthless, I've got nothing to offer the world. You have to keep supporting yourself, right? It's <laughs> ironic, isn't it? I mean, you've answered, you've answered your own question in your question, but yeah. it's ironic, right? We give so much to everyone else all our lives. We were brought up that way. We were nurtured that way. And then we go and do it. And then we hit the peak of our life, of our family time, our work time, our businesses. And we put ourselves on the last round. But I mean, I bet while you've been going through this horrendous experience of going through COVID, that you were looking after everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, that's 44 years of age. You're just coming up to the classic 45 to 55 age range when, like you've just said, you should absolutely be making sure you're looking after you. Yeah. And what have you done? You've put everyone else first. Your son was raging with heat. He was like, yeah, he wasn't well. He gets hit by everything really badly. 
and and you're busy looking after everyone else and that's what we do because that's what we default we don't let go of anything we don't give ourselves an hour off or a day off so yes we should be putting ourselves first we need to put our own oxygen mask on first so that we can look yeah. after everyone else right I mean, right. I try not to use the airplane analogy at the moment because there's not too many of us getting on them. <laughs> but, you know, um, it's it's one of the hardest things, you know, I, I, when I'm working with women, it's about, you know, the, the core thing. They can set as many goals as they want at the beginning. But if we can get to the end of time working together and they've just got that clarity of thought around why it's so important to nourish themselves, and take that time out to slow down, to speed up. And people, and if, if anyone had told me when I was going through my kind of early perimenopause experience that if I slowed down, I'd get more done, I'd have laughed my head off. Right. And yet it's so true because you don't make so many mistakes. You're calmer when you go to bed at night, so you get a better night's sleep. So you wake up rested in the morning. When you're rested, you've got clarity of thought and your creativity can emerge. Whereas when you're on the go and you're on that treadmill the whole time, you're rushed, you're, you're crazy busy, your brain's going 100 miles an hour, your eastern levels are, you know, doing the hokey-cokey and not inviting you to the party. You don't know which side is up, you don't sleep during the night, you wake up feeling fatigued and tired, you can't concentrate during the day, you make a mistake, your self-esteem is shot, your confidence goes, mm -hmm. and you end up in that hamster wheel. And it takes a huge amount of bravery to step off of it. Because even when it's all going belly up, you're comfortable with it going belly up. Did you yeah, kind of that's what you're Yeah. Because so, you put that expectation on yourself, kind of, yeah. oh, I can't do this properly anyway, kind of thing. And it's funny, I, I, wrote, uh, I wrote an article recently and it got a ridiculous amount of views on it. And when I look back, I couldn't figure out why. But I think it was like, I'd gone out there and I talked about when I was 21, I used to do judo and it was the night before Commonwealth Games selection. The next morning I woke up and I couldn't move my neck down. I took four years to get back on my feet. <gasps> I dealt with it. When I was pregnant, when I was 36, 37, I was offered termination at six months pregnant. And it was horrendous, but I dealt with it. And then menopause came along. And that was the one that knocked me sideways. Because as women, we tend to just deal with everything that comes our way. And it seems to be, certainly from what I'm witnessing, that it's menopause. If you're not prepared and you're not looking after yourselves, it can be. Not for everybody, obviously. And it's not all doom and gloom, because it can be avoided as well. Um, but it can be the one the thing that can come along and really derail women. Those yeah. are really big traumas that you obviously went through, though. Um, and you're saying that menopause is the worst one? I mean, on paper, clearly, it doesn't sound like it should be because of the natural life phase. Yeah. But it was, you know, when you wake up, you literally can't move. You can't move. <laughs> you, you just have to start to investigate what's going on, try and get underneath the skin of it, and then figure out how you're going to leave your life not being able to move. Now, clearly, you can see me as we're recording this. Um, I know that's not what's going to be going out, but, you know, I, I'm clearly back on my feet. But that took four years. And with my son, it was horrendous. I wouldn't live that. I wouldn't wish that. I have a strapping 14-year-old lad now. But I wouldn't wish that experience on anybody, not in a month of Sundays. But there was a little bundle of joy to look after, to refocus me and to get, you know, to, to take my energy. With menopause, I was looking after that bundle of joy. I was working full-time. I was on my own. 
and menopause came along. I thought I had early onset dementia. I didn't realize it was post, uh, perimenopause or menopause. So how old were um, you at this time? So I had my son at 37 and I, we reckon in hindsight, I probably went through menopause somewhere between 37 or 38 and 42, 43. Right. Wow. That's really early, isn't it? To go through it yeah. um, naturally. Um, and so it's no wonder actually that you thought you had onset dementia and all these things going on because it would be never really normally heard of for a 37 year old to start going through anything like that. And yet, you know, one in a hundred women will, uh, you know, at that age I went through it, one in a hundred women will actually go through it at that age. So it's not as uncommon as you might think. And I do, I personally believe, and it's becoming, it's coming through in the research that I'm doing, because I'm always doing research studies um, in the background, that the more stressful your life is, um, the chances are that, that those stress levels are going to have an impact on your, your hormone levels. Yeah, and that's a lot to do with fight and flight, isn't it? Um, because more than ever before, we are fighting off the tiger. Um, whereas, you know, like in our mum's generation, there wasn't anything really as like that. But we are fighting a lot of fires now. And so our stress levels just go up yeah. and down all the time, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And we never really get, you know, we never switch out that synthetic into the parasympathetic nervous system because we've got a low level, chronic level stress going on. And, you know, it goes full circle back to what we said before about us not looking after ourselves and giving ourselves some time out. It's so important. I can't, I can't, if there's one message I have to give to women was get hydrated and give yourself some time every day. It's yeah. so important. So important. Laura, you were... it... Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, you go, Kat. How long did it take for you to discover it was menopause? How many people did you see before you got that answer? One. Um, I left my job thinking of early onset dementia and I thought I was going to have to rock in a corner in a home somewhere and find someone else to bring up my son. So I went to my GP. I was signed off work with uh, low mood because I wouldn't let them put me down as having stress because I didn't want that on my record as a senior leader in financial services. And I did not want a blot on my coffee book. Mm-hmm. I also didn't want to be seen to be weak and having time off. So he actually had to fight with me to make me take a week off work. He wanted me to take a month off. Anyway, long story short, I went back to see him three times in total. And by the third visit, he, he got it straight away. Um, he just kind of asked me a few questions. And it, the reason we didn't automatically realise, because I was on the contraceptive pill, that meant I didn't have a monthly cycle. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know when periods had stopped. But he, he figured it out and he was amazing. He was absolutely brilliant. Put me on HRT straight away. He absolutely told me everything that I needed to know and I felt super confident. I didn't get on with HRT. I didn't carry on with it. And if I knew then what I know now, I would probably have carried on with HRT because we need that estrogen in our bodies and it plays such a pivotal role for so many, you know, brain health, heart health, bone health. Um, the, the, the studies in the media that have impacted HRT over the last 20 years are shocking. And our you know, generations slightly older than, than myself are probably the ones that are going to suffer the most as a result of that. But that's a whole other, whole other topic. Mm, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, it, it did become something that was much uh, sort of frowned on. And my mum never ended up taking it. And my mum is now... Sorry if you're listening. She will be listening. She's <laughs> 60... 
28 this year and she uh, has lived away from here for probably 10 years and from when she left she moved up north still every time I see her I'll say are you having a hottie she goes bright red and she gets little beads of sweat here and she's still having all and, and I kind of forgot about it um, just because it would happen all the time but now that I work with Kat and it, I'm like now I'm really thinking about it my mum has been going through the menopause she's 68 um, she's probably been going through the menopause since she was 45 what she never she never took HRT um, and she's still out there suffering I just think well, it's it, it's it's crazy it's cra I, could, I know it could have been much easier for her but you know you, you have all these influences um, don't do this do this don't do what would you say are some of the things that regardless of the way that you might be suffering with it what would you say are your top things I know you've said about hydration and so on but what would be the things that you think are absolutely rules to live by I know one of our experts says that the thing that she finds is the most disruptive to hormones is caffeine and I was like oh my god please don't say that please don't say that <laughs> there's so much I mean it is quite individual but if we're using kind of broad brush hydration is the number one thing especially if you're having night sweats and hot flushes if right. you're using that amount of liquid I mean it just goes without saying right and yeah. it's I, it's really important that wherever someone's at they take a little baby step ahead and get that to stick and then take another baby head step ahead and get that to stick because when you try and make big broad brush yeah. changes they never last for keeps so i always say if you do if you are drinking caffeine could you cut out one cup a day could you cut out one cup a week you know start somewhere that's going to make a difference can you replace it can you find a decaf i mean decaf is still with caffeine in it but you know you're not caffeine saving your body for up to 48 hours so mm. you want to be cutting your caffeine down if you're struggling with hot flushes you want to be cutting your alcohol down if you're struggling there, you know, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, spicy foods, and red meat are proving to be all triggers for hot flushes. They're all also, depending on the quality, they will, they can have an impact on, on your digestive system, and they can, they can play havoc with your hormones as well. Right. We want to be looking at getting some really good quality protein into our bodies because as we get older, we know that our muscles change and we don't retain the same. Um, the same muscle strength and, and depth so we want to make sure good quality proteins in our diet we want to get really good quality supplement in because if we're not getting the right minerals and vitamins into our bodies every day if we're taking a supplement even if we're weighing out the stuff we don't need we're giving our bodies a chance to get the stuff that we do and right. um, again there's you know there, there's a whole bunch of theories on that as well um, but you do get what you pay for with supplements, so it's always worth speaking to someone who's qualified and knows what they're doing in that space. Um, move your body. We were born to move. Mm -hmm. So find something you love, whether it's grabbing hold of your partner and having fun with them, or being out for a long walk, or whatever it happens to be, just get yourself moving. There's no excuse ever, you know, not to be moving unless you're not well, you, you know, there's something going on in that space. And one of the other biggies, and I think you've kind of touched on this earlier, is talking community. So many people are struggling um, because they're alone and that they are feeling isolated. And obviously when you've got a problem and you're struggling and you're suffering, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your head yeah. if you don't get it out of your head. And a problem shared is a problem half, right? 
So find a great community, your community, you know, wherever that happens to be, just find at least one trusted person to talk to about what you're going through. And definitely go and get your help, uh, go and get a GP, a doctor's visit, and at least find out what the options are. Um, in the UK, certainly the doctors are not trained to help with menopause. They may have between half an hour and five hours of training and the 10 years of medical training. So you have to yeah. Well, that's a bit like nutrition, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, we're not nutritionists, are they? No. no. Um, but you would think something that we all went through, they would be trained on. Yeah. That's <laughs> extraordinary. I did not know that. So you've that's got to go and, yeah, I mean, you've got to go and prepare, write down your symptoms, keep a note of them for a couple of weeks and how they're affecting you. Read the nice guidelines so that you know that HRT is first line defense for menopause and not antidepressants. Um, go in and you know with an outcome in mind I have a GP as part of my team and she is always saying go in prepared to tell your GP what you want and okay. they can at least keep you right but you may mm-hmm. have to inform your GP because you know they, they wish to do no harm and many of them will have read the back right. HRT from 20 years ago so therefore it's it's not something they want to prescribe so direct them to the nice guidelines are really important in the UK so yeah, I mean it's it's looking after yourself, put yourself first, eating well, moving your body. Yeah. Having an attitude of gratitude. It's it's all the good basic stuff we should all be doing all our life. Yeah. I think the interesting I actually went through early menopause um after I had a full hysterectomy. So I was 3940. Um I at the time I didn't do HRT because it wasn't an option for me at the time, um, because I I'd gone through a cancer diagnosis. But what I did do, and I feel like really helped me, was acupuncture. Mm-hmm. I looked for alternative something. Yep. And I think sometimes, you know, people have to find something alternative. And for me, um, when I did acupuncture, that did work for me really, really well. Um, besides acupuncture, is there any other things that you can think of? Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's anything that allows you to do exactly what you said before, Kat. It's about accessing that calm. That yeah. sense of you know being rested and being peaceful and getting your parasympathetic nervous system kicked into place. And acupuncture obviously goes beyond that. And um, so yoga, yoga nidra is is something that lots of my clients swear by. And it's you know for some people it be essential oils, for other people it will be you know there's any any of the complementary therapies. It might be massage, it might be any type of body work. It's just something that allows you to access that sense of calm. Um, yeah. Just giving you time out away from your mobile. I bet you didn't have your mobile on during your acupuncture. I hope you didn't have oh, exactly. on during your acupuncture. <laughs> you know, it's, we're on 24-7, right? So, yeah, I think you're right. Any of the complementary therapies, any of the um, alternative therapies, um, and there's so many different things. You know, some people will be Tai Chi or Qigong or... Mm. There's so many different things that you can do, but it comes back to giving yourself time and space to be calm and just trust your body. Mm-hmm. There's such a stigma, isn't there, for women to feel that they are allowed to do that. So that's the first thing um, I think. I don't have a problem with that, by the way, Lauren. I'm quite happy. <laughs> to, uh, I was going to say, where are you talking about liberty? <laughs> Oh, we must never say that. <laughs> but this sort of badge of honor of being busy. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't stop. I can't stop. I remember when um, 
one of our other um, panel experts was teaching me about um, meditating. And, you know, it's sort of that, when do I do this? When do, she's like, well, you know, you get up a bit earlier. And I was like, oh, get up. Oh my God, oh my God. But the point was you get up, you feel the effects, you enjoy the effects for the whole day. It becomes something that if you don't do it, if you don't take that time out, then you will feel the negative effects. You've got to take and, and you've got to give yourself this chance you've got to you've got to push away those feelings of guilt or taking something that's not yours you have to give yourself this space right you have to allow yourself otherwise you're doing yourself and your body a complete disservice and your mind obviously I, um sorry go ahead <laughs> i think it's really interesting because it's really selfish to be on the go all the time and not to be at your best i think yeah, it's what i say it's the most selfish thing to do to be super stressed and on the go and not have time patience or energy for anybody yeah so when you look at it that way around then actually That's giving yourself two to ten minutes in the morning to meditate or go for a walk or stand in the shower and lock yourself in the bathroom whatever it is you need to do yeah, to that's what i love doing <laughs> yeah. you know I mean? um it's it is the least selfish thing in the world to look after yourself you set yourself up with your meditation set yourself up with your hydration set yourself up with you know protein at breakfast time all these things serve a purpose Meditation keeps you calm. Your hydration gets your cognitive functions working better and your digestive system and loads of other stuff as well. Eating protein stops you from having sugar cravings and it keeps you filled up. Right. If you take that half hour in the morning to set yourself up properly, there's nothing selfish about that at all. Mm-hmm. I love the morning, actually. Uh, it's my favorite time of the day. And I do take the time to do this. And I, I believe that's part of what's got me through a lot of hormone stuff, actually, because, but I wasn't like that until I got a big smack in the face, to be honest. Um, yeah. I had a massive dose of menopause. <laughs> um, um, but I quickly, once I'd done the acupuncture, actually, I then had gone like, no, this is good. I need this. And I'm, what, what am I going to do to help myself? Because I thought it was really interesting what you said earlier, Lauren, when you were talking about at work, you didn't want to get anything on your record. You didn't want to do, you know, because I, I think, you know, like I remember going in coaching uh, for a quite a large company and people were, I was doing a bit of coaching and a lot of the women were coming and going, you know, I don't want to tell them that I'm going through menopause. Mm-hmm. And I, and they were literally sitting there suffering in silence because they were having these hot sweats. They were, didn't know what was going on with their mood swings, you know, like, but it was almost like if I go and tell HR this, I'm going to have a black mark against my name. You know, like I'm going to be the one who's causing trouble in the office or they're going to look to replace me with somebody else, you know? And really I was actually listening to a podcast probably about a year ago where the the lady was saying, look, she was going around basically telling teaching workplaces about menopause and about, yeah, basically saying, you know, um, you've got to take notice of the hair. This is the tracker. This is the two days that they might need off a month, you know, and putting instilling a that. And when is this going to happen for, for women at work? You, I've, been doing, I've, I've been doing that for seven years um, across the UK and the US and actually as far as Russia. Um, so wow, it's, it's, been, it's been a heck of a ride because when I left work seven years ago, I knew in the minute that my GP said, you don't have early onset dementia, you've just been through menopause. I, like, I literally punched the ear with joy. And I looked at him in the eye and I just said, right, 
that is it. I don't want another woman to go through what I went through. I don't want another company to sit back and not know how to support their female talent and keep hold of them. And he just looked at me as if I was slightly bonkers, which was a bit worrying. <laughs> um, and he goes, no, no, you need to look after yourself. I went, no, I need to go out and stop other women from going through this. So I did. Um, and it started off working with a large global bank in the city in London, and it just snowballed from there. So my background um, at that point was financial services. So a lot of my clients are in financial services and legal, but that's morphed and grown over the years. And I've got people in the States and, and other places that go into workplaces and help educate. How did you break the barrier? Oh, um, the minute I find out what I've been through, I just didn't give a flying monkeys anymore. I mean, I went into, I went into one of the banks in the city dressed in my running shorts and vest top for a board meeting. I mean, <laughs> I, I went so far the other way. I mean, I went in soaking wet, having walked from the West End to the city with my backpack and my running gear on, and I couldn't find anywhere to change into my suit. So I phoned the girls up and I said, guys, I'm really sorry, but could I get into the building early to find somewhere to clean up and get in? They went, oh, don't that. just come in the way you are. And I did, and it was great. And it was like an epiphany. I thought, I'm not, I'm not that corporate person anymore. Yeah. You know, and if I don't, if I, if I look the same and I act the same as I did then, I'm not going to make change. That's so, really good advice, actually, because yeah. I think that's what a lot of people do. They like, right, we're going into that setting, so we've got to dress for that setting. And it's so right what you say, because actually, if you go dress for the setting and it's not you, you, you kind of don't feel yourself when you're delivering something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just been such relief. So back then, it would take roughly six to nine months into companies starting some training with them. Now it's inbound. I just have people phoning me up asking for quotes. So it's gone full 360. However, this time last year, World Menopause Day is, 9th, is the 18th of October. And last year, we estimated about 5% of companies had menopause policies in the UK. This year, when we surveyed, um, I had about 1,200 companies and 13% had wow. a menopause policy in place. So it's, we're at the beginning of the journey. And I think back to the point, Kat, women still don't want to be seen as weak. They don't want to expose themselves. They don't want to give anyone an opportunity to pull the rug from under their feet. We've worked so hard to get into our roles and we just don't want to give anyone any ammunition. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we should have to say that we're menopausal, but what we should be able to do is understand that our companies have got policies, that we've got absence um, procedures, or we've got um, reasonable adjustments that can be made that can help us get through and transition through that stage of life. We don't lose our skills, knowledge and experience, right? Yeah. I find it interesting because I always think of it as that thing where um, when you're younger and you get your periods or whatever and you kind of go and then um, you, you mention it at work because you're not feeling that great and then you go and talk to somebody at work about it and they're like, well, I've got my period. And they're like, it's okay, take the day off, leave. No, no, I'll talk about it. I wondered if it was like that about the menopause when some people first approach it. I think typically you've got two camps of women, those that absolutely are not going to tell anyone about it at all, and they're going to suffer in silence. And for them, my message is the longer you suffer in silence and don't ask for help, the you know, more for you. And I can only say that with hindsight because I was that woman. Right. Um, and you don't have to be public about it. 
And then you've got those that laugh and joke about it amongst themselves, where you've got lots of women working together going through it, or they've just got that type of personality where they don't care and they're just going to laugh and joke. And actually, it's okay for women to do that amongst themselves. It's not okay for someone else to do it, though, because that falls under um, harassment and bullying. Yeah. So you've got, you know, it's a very fine line. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting in the workplace. It's still working its way through. And with any culture change, it's going to take time. No, and it's so amazing that you're doing that because yeah. I, I mean, even when I remember working, I've worked for some huge corporate companies. It was just, if I look back on it now, especially in my like twenties, you know, it was just like nothing was set in place for women at all. Um, and I think looking at my nine-year-old daughter now, I want her to go to a workplace and to be able to talk about any of this stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I actually had an executive coach myself at the time because I was having struggles with one or two individuals in the workplace who had headhunted me twice. And I was suddenly struggling to get appointments with them, time with them. And it was, I, I just couldn't get, you know, I found myself not being able to speak up in board meetings. I was one out of 18 and I was the only female. And with my coach, we'd worked through scenarios and not once did she ever think that it might be anything to do with that time of life so yeah. I could talk to you all day about this stuff and something in me and imagine if it was a willy problem I'm sure this would have been talked about forever and ever and ever and it would have been fixed by yeah. now yeah yeah agree <laughs> being <laughs> being a woman is 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 finally getting uh, the recognition that it needs through all areas of, of, of life from birth to right up to, to menopause and beyond. Um, but the, I know that we'll say goodbye to you and I'll think of another thousand questions and we'll probably get questions from, um, from Dina and all, all the other ladies who have wanted to hear from someone with your expertise. You really are inspiring. But if we wanted to find out more about you, Lauren, and what you're doing, where could we find you? The easiest place is just find me on LinkedIn okay yeah and yeah we'll, we'll we'll look for you on there it's been amazing speaking to you thank you so much it's great just i'm so grateful to you for getting the message out there and helping raise awareness because the other side of menopause is amazing uh, it will just go straight back up through the roof and you just don't give a monkey's anything anymore so it's hey i'm looking forward to that <laughs> Yeah, I would urge people, if they're listening to this and they want to know more or be part of community, do get in touch with Lauren. You're such a cheerleader for this for women. Um, and I've actually been watching you from afar for a while. So I know exactly through like the group that we're in, um, for the groups, I just I know exactly what you do and how you really kind of help kind of fly the flag for this. And I think don't don't go it alone don't not look for help you know yeah. we're all we're all going to go through this and we all have to support each other you know women we are moving forward quicker than ever now and we've got to make sure that you know we're, we're there listening to each other so lauren um from me thank you so much for coming on and talking to us thank yeah. you it's an absolute pleasure and i oh. hope you get well soon liberty Ah, thank you, Lauren. Thank you. I'll probably recover from this and start the menopause. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in touch. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thank, thank you, Lauren. Bye-bye.